in the Universal Mind with Roderick Watkins is airing live 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This broadcast is a live feed via Internet on Blog Talk Radio. Connect with us on Facebook.com slash Online and like our page. We want to thank everyone that's, cute, that's actually <clears throat> excuse me, tuning in this evening for the Universal Mind with Roderick Watkins. We're in for a great show. And we are available for live chat on blogtalkradio.com slash loudmouthradio. Be sure to check with us each Monday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to listen in on the show as a live uh, listener. Um, you may be able to dial in at 347-826-7520. If you have questions regarding this broadcast or would like to reach us for advertising, call our Loudmouth Media offices at 706 706- 363-3895 during business hours of 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Monday through Friday. Loudmouth Radio is one of the Internet's hottest online radio networks that are geared towards empowerment, inspiration, and entertainment. Connect with us live, online, and on demand 24-7. And make sure to share your thoughts on what inspires you. And now, your actual host for the evening, Mr. Roderick Watkins. Good evening, and welcome to the Universal Mind. I'm your host, Roderick Watkins, and we are live on the new Loudmouth Radio Network. Tonight, our topic is relationships and spiritual development. If you want to call in, please call us at 347-826-7520. You can also reach us on Facebook at loudmouthradio.com, or you can reach us on Twitter, on Twitter at Loudmouth, L-O-U-D-D-M-O-U-T-H, uh, for any questions that you have. So tonight's going to be a good evening. Uh, we have a recently the Supreme Court just heard two cases. One of them was regarding DOMA, which is uh, the Defense of Marriage Act, being uh, if it's constitutional or not. And the other one is uh, Prop 8 in California. And this was basically uh, gay couples in Los Angeles or in the state of California, in the state of California, at one time had the right to marry. And that right was taken away from them uh, through the vote. And so now this case is being argued before the Supreme Court if that if that case actually had any validity. So it just got me to thinking that, hey, you know, this would be a good topic. Relationships make up a very big part of our lives. I mean, we're we're involved in all kinds of relationships, not just romantic ones. And we've all heard the same, I'm sure, uh, no man is an island, or a woman for that matter, an, an island unto themselves. Our relationships help us grow, they allow us to experience or see things uh, that we might not see on our own. So with that, uh, I have a special guest tonight. Well, actually, he'll be uh, doing this uh, second half, which is uh, Dr. Madi. He's a professor or assistant professor at Arizona State University, and uh, he'll be joining us a little bit later. But first, because of the Supreme Court case and the case is going on, a decision hasn't been made yet, I thought, you know, we don't hear from black gay couples often, and a lot of people might think that they are, you know, a myth, 
a myth. Uh, every uh, uh, a very common stereotype that I hear about being gay is the promiscuity, or no, uh, there isn't monogamy uh, in in the quote gay lifestyle. But I have two guests on here this evening uh, who will be joining me, and uh, Jerome Wilson and Cass Carr. And they've been together for 11 years, 11 years. And I, I just think that that's definitely something to look up to and to aspire for. So I, without further ado, I'm, I'm sure they're online now, and we'll, and we'll get this discussion uh, started. Uh, please welcome Jerome Wilson and, and Cass Carr. Hello, guys. Are you there? Hello, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Who is this? Is this Cass? Yeah, this is Cass. Okay. Jerome, do I have Jerome on the line also? Yes, can you hear me? Okay. There you guys. So I was just telling my audience that... uh, you guys have been together for 11 years, and you're a black gay couple, and uh, you've been married for two years. Now, a lot of, uh, you know, as far as tradition, as far as what's considered traditional here in America, we don't get to hear uh, this side of the fence that often. So I'm, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, come uh, and talk to the people and let them know how, even though this is, wouldn't be considered uh, traditional, it, it, it is a very, uh, it, is, it, is, it is somewhat, it has many facets of a traditional relationship. Would you agree? Wait a minute. Could you repeat the question, Roger? I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. So I, I would say as far as, as far as relationships, normally we don't hear about black gay relationships in America. Right. You know, there are a lot of stereotypes in our community or, or in American in general that gays are usually promiscuous and we're non-monogamous. And so I, 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 I was saying that, you know, uh, even though the relationship, your relationship would be uh, considered non-traditional, I'm sh- uh I'm sure you would agree that it has a lot of traditional elements to it in regards to what Americans think about uh, relationships in general. Um, yeah, I can say, yeah, um, because, for, I mean, based on my opinion and based on my values and morals, and, and this is Cass speaking, um, okay. I still view it as traditional, meaning that you still follow those same requirements or those same um the same fundamentals as far as a heterosexual relationship. Okay. Uh, and so now you guys have been together for uh, 11 years, right? Yes. How did you guys end up meeting or where did you meet up? Uh, um, actually, we'll let him give his version. <laughs> actually, the, the funny thing was we, we had, uh, I think our, our paths had actually crossed. Um, but we ended up actually meeting in a club environment. Um, however, the intent was not to 
Well, actually, it was, I was running into another friend, and actually Jerome was with that friend, and the friend actually asked me for my telephone number. And from there, uh, Jerome asked me for my number as well. Um, and um, the funny thing is, the next day he called, and um, we've been together ever since. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so you stepped in there and, and intercepted? Is that what I'm hearing, Jerome? <laughs> Basically. <laughs> so what made you, how did you know that he was the one, or did you know that he was the one? There was just something about him that I found very intriguing and attractive, and I just wanted to get to know him better initially. And um, as time went on and we just started dating, sort of, um, we basically, for lack of a better word, eloped for about a month. And I was uh, basically nowhere to be found, according according to my friends. <laughs> yeah, actually, you can say we, we kind of went underground. How about that? That's a better way of putting it. <laughs> and I think during that, that month or that two-month period, you know, we were basically getting to know one another, you know, without any interference from, you know, any of our friends or what have you. So do you think that your your relationship is atypical, uh, meaning uh, meaning that it's not the norm in regards to Gabriel, in, in regards to uh, being gay, you know, a lot of uh, there's a there's a generalization that gays are usually non-monogamous and and very promiscuous. Um, I guess it would be atypical because no, we're, we are we are monogamous. Um, you know, we, we only you know we during that period of time we only dated each other, saw each other, and I mean, for the last eleven years, eleven twelve years. You know, yeah, we we've been together, and that's it. No outside influence. No, you know, me, you know, going on a date or him going on a date. Um, it's it's been strictly us. I mean, I, I feel that's the only way to have a relationship. I don't mean I don't believe in, you know, dating a couple people at a time or what have you. It was immediately when we first met, and when we met, we got together, what have you. Everything else was it was a wrap, basically. Got you. So, uh, when did you decide? When did you guys decide to get married? Uh, married. Two years ago. Well, two years in. It'll be two years in um, uh, August. And um, I just I went through a very trying time in my life, um, and Cass was just there, and I had already decided long time ago that. He was going to be the only one and the last one. So after that trying time, I just said, "Hey, I need to go ahead and put a ring on it." So you know, I had to show him my that he got to put a ring on it. Hey, if one of you guys has your internet turned up, could you could you turn it down or mute it? Because it's causing feedback. Internet. Yeah, if you're listening to the, are you guys in the same room or you're listening to the broadcast? Oh, yeah, probably, it's probably because we're in the same room. Okay. We're getting I'll, a little I'll my phone off. Okay. Actually, we have two phones going, so uh, probably if he turned his phone off, uh, you'll probably get a better reception. Okay, are you, uh, you on speaker? Yeah, I'm on speaker. Okay, great. All right, there we go. I think that sounds a little bit better. Okay, sorry for that. 
No problem. No problem at all. All right. So, uh, so are you saying, Jerome, that you 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 popped the question, or or uh, who popped the question? Was it a mutual decision, or how how did that work? I popped the question. We got uh, into New York. It was a surprise, actually, um, that I had been planning for a couple months to pop the question, and uh, I told Cass we were just going up to New York to see Beyonce, and uh, we got to the hotel room, and I got down on one knee and popped the question that morning, and then by 4.30 that afternoon, we were married, and then it was off to see Beyonce. Oh, so you guys really did sort of elope. Now, did you did you plan to just uh, be married in that same instance, or was that spontaneous? That was that was it was a plan. Yeah, I planned all, all that. Right. I had the paperwork and everything. So, what about uh, what about your family and friends? Did you guys have a reception or anything like that? We did. Um, we got married in August and had the reception in October. Oh. Okay. Yeah, and we had our uh, family and friends come together, close family and friends come together, and that was a spectacular event also. Actually, a friend of ours let us use their mom's mansion to have the reception in. Wow. So uh, had you guys seen that uh, that video with the uh, two guys? Uh, one of them was in a fraternity, and uh, they got married, and I guess it made a real big, it was a real big hit on YouTube. Sure did, and uh, I'm actually friends with the, uh, one of them, Nathaniel. Oh, okay, so you know him. Yeah, yeah. Now, would they're, you guys put the, uh, Go ahead. I was going to say they're actually in uh, one of our Facebook groups called Four Couples Only, and uh-huh. uh, it's a uh, group of, I think we're up to 350 members now, of same gender loving couples who have been in committed relationships for six months or more. And um we're actually worldwide now. We've got folks in Russia, in Madrid, and all over. So um yeah, they're in that group as well. So now I I mean uh what was the purpose of this group or uh, who, who did you put this together yourself? I did. Um it was February of 2012, and I was just a part of all these other groups that had really nothing to do with me. So I said, well, let me put something together for couples, you know. We didn't know a lot of couples in the area, uh, so I wanted to put a feeler out there and see what would happen. And lo and behold, it just blew up, and it just, just took off by itself. So then, so then, would you say that uh, same gender loving couples are 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 unique, or I mean, I, I mean, there's more of them out there than what the than what the average uh, person might be uh, might be aware of. I would definitely say there's a lot more out there than you would think. Mm-hmm. I, I, this is Cass. I think that uh, forming the actual um, group, the Facebook group, it made it um, clear that there are a lot more out there because one of, I think one of the the concerns that Jerome had, you know, when he created the actual group was based on our relationship, you know, we, we have friends. And it, it appears that we were the only couple amongst our, our friends. 
You know, we had we had a lot of single friends. And so Jerome's concern was, well, let's see, you know, because he, he wanted to do more things, you know, with other couples. So that's when I think the idea came up to create the group and, you know, just see what happens. And lo, lo and behold, you know, we we never thought that it would get as large as it is. And we've met a number of other couples, you know, with positive energy uh, that are, you know, inspiring. Every time we have an actual event, uh, because periodically we do put together and we have events such as potlucks, um, you know, um, out, outings and so forth, but it is just so inspiring and encouraging to see all these guys and ladies come together and they're so positive. We, we always, the turnout is always, we, we get great support. And it's, it's just a positive, very, very positive. Um, it turns out to be, you know, the, the, the events, the situations, they, they, they're just really inspiring and very encouraging, and which we've communicated that to some of our single friends. And, you know, just to let people know that it is possible. Um, and, you know, don't give up. Right. Right. So what would you say to your single friends? Or I mean, how 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 me being one of your single friends? What would you what advice would you have for me if uh, I desire to be in a relationship? How, how can I go about that? Well, my philosophy on 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 that, or and again, this is cast speaking. My philosophy mm-hmm. is stop being in search of, uh, because mm-hmm. I feel that when you search of, you'll never find. And so with that. It's not all about finding the right person. It's about being the right person. And I think when you kind of let down that guard to a degree, you know, opportunity will present itself. You know, I'm not saying that you should just settle, but, you know, just be open to the possibilities. Possibilities. Um, A lot of people have, you know, standards and morals and values in which I'm not saying to let those things go. However, you can kind of lessen that reign, you know, to – for the possibility of something happening. Okay, so did either of you guys have to lessen your range for the possibility of you two to get together? No, I don't. I don't. I don't feel that we did. He he asked. He had to lessen our range each. I, I don't feel that either one of us did. I think it was just something that, you know, um, to me it was just something that was meant to be. Uh, just 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 the way that we vibe, um, meaning that. Where he's weak, I'm strong, and vice versa. You know, we just mm-hmm. came together, and two, you know, just knowing how to, you know, grow with someone and learn how to communicate. Because two, when you have situations that arise, you know, you have, you know, um, you may have conflict, and it's almost to know that at this point in my life, you know, I, I'm not here to fight anyone. Um, I'm here to support and meaning that you don't always have to agree. You can agree to disagree because I think that, it, but at the same time, making sure that your, your your point is made and heard so that you mm-hmm. can go forward. So are you talking about, like, uh, I mean, in, in regards to if you guys have conflict with each other or in relationship, in your relationship? Correct. Okay. So how how do you guys go about resolving resolving issues, or do you have any issues? I mean, it sounds like a fairy tale almost. You know, you guys just you, it was meant to be love at first sight, had the butterflies and the whole nine. 
Do you guys de- do you guys have any trying time? Yes, we definitely have been through our ups and downs, like any relationship. And the biggest thing is to communicate. We may not always agree, uh, but we have learned to agree to disagree on certain issues. I just want to take a minute to let my listeners know that you're listening to The Universal Mind with Roderick Watkins. Today's topic is relationships and spiritual development. Uh, Currently, I have on the line... Jerome Wilson and uh, Cass Carr, as we discuss, as we're discussing uh, LGBT relationships and how they are similar to uh, traditional relationships in this country, as well as uh, the recent uh, the recent uh, court case of uh, or DOMA, or the Defense of the Marriage Act. Uh, Jerome and Cats have been together for 11 years, and they've been married for two. And my next question is related to the Defense of Marriage Act and Prop 8 in California. How do you guys feel about those two pieces of legislation, and what, how do you think that the uh, courts, or will, how would you like the courts to rule on this? Well, definitely uh, we are uh, in support of, of the courts, uh, supporting gay marriage, uh, mm-hmm. but I think in actuality, what they're going to do is send it back down to the states. I don't think mm-hmm. they're going to make. A, I don't think they're going to make a make it a federal uh, mandate. I think they're. I think they It'd be nice, but I think that in reality, they're going to send it back down to the states. Seth, you have any comment on that? No, no, I totally, I, I totally agree as well. Um, because too, you know, based on um, the structure as far as the governmental, governmental structure or what have you, again, I think it will be to a state decision. Um, mm-hmm. And hopefully, you know, hopefully Georgia jumps on board. You know. Well, right now in Georgia, it's illegal. It, it, it is illegal. Marriage is defined as a man and woman in the Georgia Constitution, I think, state constitution. That, that's correct. Yeah. So, how do you feel that, that? How do you feel about civil rights being legislated on? I mean, should we be able to vote on on, on people's rights, or should they just automatically be guaranteed? Well, they should, I mean, in a perfect world, they should be guaranteed. But mm-hmm. obviously, we don't live in a perfect world. So some legislation will have to make that happen. How it happens is a different story and a different time period. I don't, I'm not sure if we, I don't think, like I said, I don't think the country is ready to be federally mandated to recognize it. And I oh, think really? Gonna, no. I don't think so. Because, I mean, Georgia, it's not going to happen anytime soon. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon in Georgia. The southern states, I mean, we're on the Bible Belt. Until people realize that it's not a religion, religious issue, it's going to be that way. I mean, because you can get married in a, you know, you don't have to be in a church to get married. And I think, yeah, but- I think it's... I think it stems back all the way back to is gay being a choice. 
And you know, if if it's a choice, if they think it's a choice, then they're gonna say, oh, "Well, well, they chose to be that way, so why do we have to worry about their rights?" I agree with that. So, uh, uh, okay, so you you think that most people believe that sexual orientation is a choice and not that we're born this way? Exactly. To which I always say, well, when did you choose to be heterosexual? Uh, yeah, that, that's a good question. If, if, if sexual orientation is a choice, then it goes both ways, huh? Right. But let exactly. me ask you this: isn't it isn't it somewhat a re- isn't it somewhat a religious issue? I mean, in in most ceremonies, they do use the Bible and um, scripture in order to join people. So, doesn't that make it a religious ceremony? How, how do we take religion out of it, or and do you even want to? I mean, I'm sure there are Christian gays. No, I, I thought I'm thinking. Well, to my understanding, uh, when you're taking vows, these are vows that you basically come up with the individual couples. You know, uh, the two that are, are uniting. So to say that it, it, it's solely based on religion, I don't agree with that. Mm-hmm. And Jerome, do you you have anything to say to that, or you agree? No, I agree. I agree totally with that. Um, I, I mean, because too, you, you you know, you think in terms of the actual ceremony itself, you know. Um, Especially in the South, traditionally, like you stated, uh, it, it happens in the church, but, you know, you've seen situations where it happens in people's homes. In addition to, it's actually um, overseen by a minister. You don't necessarily, you don't need a minister. You can have a judge can, can marry you. So that's where the separation is. That, and I think that's where the religion needs to be taken out of. Okay. So it, it, in regards to the actual ceremony, both, why then? Why then do people? Uh, and let me ask you this: I mean, are you guys? Do you guys? Uh, what religion or denomination uh, do you guys belong to? I grew up Christian, but mm-hmm. I'm finding myself uh, leaning more towards spiritual, because the Christians nowadays they like to take the Bible literally, and mm-hmm. it you can't take the Bible literally. And the way it's been translated over a million times or a thousand times, and who knows what they were thinking when they wrote the Bible originally. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then, too, you think in terms of the situations where a lot of people will take the Bible and use it to their, you know, use it in their advantage by, you know, quoting certain scriptures and so forth. So, again, I think a lot of times, you know, the Bible is truly taken out of context. So with that being said, how do you guys nurture your relationship? I mean, do you guys nurture your relationship spiritually? And if so, yeah. how do you go about doing that? Yeah, we both believe in uh, a God, and we believe we believe in God. But we don't necessarily have to take the Bible and, you know, make that be our root, end all, be all. We take the Bible, we take the Quran, we take Buddhism, take all religions together and, you know, make it into one spirituality that there is a higher being than yourself. Exactly. And that's what I was going to actually say. You know, the fact that, you know, some people will question and say, okay, God is man, woman, what have you. I don't know. You know, 
know, it could be a nut. It could be a tree. I don't know. I, but I do feel and I know that there is a higher power, and that's what I go on. And like Jerome said, I, I grew up in the um, Baptist, uh, Baptist religion, back, uh, going to church. You know, we went to church uh, religiously, meaning that, you know, it was Sunday. Um, then during the week you had Bible study. On Saturdays, or whether you had Friday night, there was a fish fry to church. Saturdays, you had choir rehearsal, and then, again, you're back in church on Sunday. My thought process is, again, as far as saying that I'm Baptist or saying that I'm Christian, I just know that I have faith, and that's what gets me. That, that's what stimulates me. That's what keeps me going because, again, I feel that there is a how power. And, and how do you guys go about nurturing each other spiritually? Just when, when there's a when there's an issue as far as are you talking about when um like if something goes wrong and and like Cass needs something and well I'm just talking uh, okay so me for me spirituality is a uh, growth in awareness and a growth in my state of being meaning uh, it can be uh, spiritual that doesn't have it can be physical mental. All, all these things that help me become better and able to express uh, my awareness of the world and the universe around me. Well, so, yeah. Well, yeah. I would say the same thing. That 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 actually applies here in our relationship because, again, let's say when when situations happen or what have you, you know, we're there for one another, uh, mentally, physically, uh, you know, to support, to uplift, to encourage. So, mm-hmm. you know, those are the, the fundamentals I feel that we've we've um, based our relationship on. You know, we're not here to tear each other down or ridicule one another or belittle. We're here basically to, and, you know, and it, I think it takes a level of maturity um, and, and, and time, you know, um, depending upon the relationship. But I know we've, we've grown Tremendously, um, we again we love each other. We support one another. We encourage. We try to inspire. So you know those are the the, the premise of our our relationship. I, I can, uh, I'm speaking. Yeah, I, agree. I mean that's the that's where the nurturing comes in. Mhm. Mhm. So do, do you guys do you attend the church or? Say that again. Do you guys attend church? Not one particular church. We visit churches. Okay, okay. Uh, l- let me again just let our guests know that their lis- our listeners know that uh, they're listening to the Universal Mind with Roderick Watkins tonight. My guests are Jerome Wilson and Cass Carr, and we're talking about uh, gay marriage and LGBT relationships. Uh, you can call in at three four seven eight two six seven five two zero if you have any questions. We're also on Facebook at Loudmouth Radio Network. I'm sorry, at Loudmouth.com. And we're also on Twitter at Loudmouth, L-O-U-D-D-M-O-U-T-H. So, guys, when you when you got married, I mean, did you take each other's last names? How does, how does that work? I mean, do you call each other partners, husbands? Well, some of the basic stuff that a lot of people might not be aware of. Well, I mean, I refer to I refer to uh, Jerome as my husband. 
uh, my partner. Um, I think it just, it just depends on the actual environment certain times, you know, when, when the question is posed. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, for the most part, you know, he's my husband. Um, as far as the exchange of last names, no. We, we, you know, we kept our, you know, we kept our, our last names. Um, mm-hmm. To me, that wasn't really significant or important. Um, the funny thing is, you know, once the actual, you know, once we, once we got married, um, I guess realizing what that actually meant, because like I said, you know, we've been together since um, what, September 2002, meaning that, you know, we were, we never separated. We never parted, okay? Um, we bought um, our house in Now, I 
deal with that. How do your families interact with each other, or do they? Oh, they love each other. They uh, interact very well, especially um, when it's, you know, when we had our reception, it was very nice to see our families come together and, you know, they uh, do things with each other. Uh, they support each other. His family supports my, supported my mom and her campaign, um, and we support, my family supported uh, Cass's family in whatever endeavors they may try to have. And so it's it's very uh it's very like you said, kind of fairy tale that I'm looking at it or thinking about it. It is very interesting how um they get along so well. And my uh my brothers and sisters absolutely love him. So there was no issue there. And of course my mom loves him. So Yeah, and vice versa, vice versa. Um I think in terms of early on, um, you know, just the um, let's say around like like for example around the holidays you know as far as both families come together you know we uh, mesh pretty well you know there was no conflicts or what have you but again it was a process meaning that you know again taking the time to get to know someone and of course you know uh, just like with my mother and his mom you know if, if there's somebody that I love and I care I mean in which they can see it so of course they had no choice but to I mean, true enough, they could have said no, or they should have been. They could have been. Um, they 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 could have not been as uh, supportive, but but they are, you know, and they were. They were. They are. So you know, again, it sounds very fairy tale, um, and you know, I'm just happy to be living it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds great. So, what about a uh, what about as far as your own family, have you guys thought about extending your family? We have thought about it, and that's why we have two furry kids. <laughs> <laughs> we have two dogs that are like our kids. Um, but I think we've had a discussion about kids, and we've decided that we are not going to have our own kids. Um, number one, I'm too selfish right now. And there's still a lot of uh, traveling and stuff I want to get. I want to do. And I'm too old. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that there's a selfishness on both parts, and and you know honestly I'm 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 happy with it. You know, um, my thought process was that you know if I was to have had kids, it would have been before now. Um, mm-hmm. But you know I, I have a lot a lot of love to give to my nieces. You know, I have a total of three nieces, and, you know, I, I just feel that right now, you know, we're where we need to be, you know. And then, too, um, that selfishness does play a major role, uh, as Jerome saying, of course, you know, the travel aspect, because, you know, we are able to do a lot. And it's something because even now when we travel, we still have to think about the dogs, you know, and they, I'm not going to say that. It doesn't bother me when I go away because I do, and I miss my dogs tremendously. So um, the thought of having a, a child, no, um, you know, unfortunately, we don't foresee that. Okay. But I, I, I think you guys would make great fathers, so hopefully you don't rule that out, you know, totally. Maybe, maybe, maybe it'll change. Maybe it'll change, right? Maybe. I mean, it's possible. Anything is possible. 
And uh-huh. we'll be coming for Roderick, the babysitter, when we go out of town. <laughs> oh, for the dogs, you know, definitely. Right? Yeah, I have two dogs myself, so I, I'm I'm always uh, I, I'll open the the ride the border <laughs> boarding for 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 pets for wayward pets. Uh, so, guys, uh, now I know that. Um, what do you do to keep the romance? Uh, going or, or to keep the spark going in your relationship? Probably, I don't know if we can say on air. <laughs> you can say anything you want on air. So, no, no. Me it. No. <laughs> no. Uh, I don't think that there's, I mean, we don't, we don't have, um, I think it just comes automatically, um, mm-hmm. and you know I don't ever go a day or you know a minute. You know sometimes you know just letting him know how I feel about him and letting him know that you know the feeling hasn't changed and I don't foresee it changing, meaning that I love him but I'm still in love with him. Mm. So you know with that. Um, you know, we, we may send each other messages um, throughout the day. Um, I know at one point in time, especially some nights when I couldn't sleep, I would actually, you know, uh, send him a text or, you know, just let him know how much I care about him and, you know, how much he means to me. Because, again, you know, going through some of the things, you know, the ups and downs of life that I've gone through, my one goal was really – to be able to live my life and to be happy and to find someone to share my life with. And I mm. can I can probably say that I've done that. You know, I feel fulfilled, you know, with him being in my life, meaning that, too, when I see him, you know, sometimes, and I know it kind of, I don't know if, it, if he knows this, but as opposed to me smiling sometimes when I see him because that's what he makes me, that, that's what he makes happen. Uh, you know, I'll frown at, frown at him or, you know, lick my tongue at him or something like that. And uh, it's it's like a um, the look on his face when he sees me, it's like a twinkle that he has in his eyes, you know. And I, I don't know what that means, but <laughs> and I don't know if that's actually true, but that's how I feel. And, Ron, hmm. I will add that uh, traveling helps keep spark, keeps keeps it fresh and new as well. Well, well even, if, even if we couldn't travel, um, I, I, I feel that, you know, we, we enjoy each other's company. You know, the fact of knowing that, you know, he has his, his likes and his hobbies and I have mine. And, you know, we support each other, meaning that we don't have to be out in the streets or going here, going there. You know, we're complacent with, you know, being at home. Um, he's doing what he wants to do. I'm doing what I want to do. There's no conflict. You know, and then we come together, you know. So if Georgia was to uh if Georgia was to finally allow gay marriage, would you guys think about getting married out here? Oh well definitely. Yeah. Sure. In fact when yeah. um I I saw that Rio de Janeiro had just <laughs> um just legalized it, I 
told Cass to pack it up. We're moving to Rio de Janeiro and getting remarried. Right. <laughs> but isn't that more of a single spot, Rio de, de Janeiro? <laughs> well, it might become a couple spot now. Hey, yeah, uh, especially uh, you guys got the group to get everybody to, to move down there. Right. Y'all can start a little community, but I wouldn't drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> so, uh, so then, uh, so then, redoing your vows it, it would be the most definite if if uh, if they were to allow that out here in Absolutely. Georgia. Absolutely. Well, have you guys have you guys experienced? Uh, I think one of the things that when we think about gay marriage, or they talk about a lot of the benefits. Um, that are afforded to heterosexual couples that aren't allowed for gay couples, and one of them is hospital visitation. Other others have to do with tax law and the state law. Have you guys experienced any discrimination as a as a gay couple? Funny, um, we have not actually. Uh, the only problem we have ever had was at one point I had no insurance. And uh, I was trying to get on Kaz's insurance, and they didn't recognize same-sex uh, couples. But now they do. Mm. They do. So now I am on his insurance because uh, insurance that uh, I would have otherwise would cost too much. So it was more economical to be on his insurance. And, you know, and I'm, I'm happy to be working for an employer that, that recognizes it, you know, that realizes that, you know, and I think, one thing that, you know, they ask that we do is, you know, they believe in home life, you know, enjoying home and taking care of home. And, mm-hmm. again, recognizing, you know, too, as reality what has it, you know, there are same-sex couples, you know, yeah. and allowing them to benefit as, as a, you know, as a, a heterosexual, you know, uh, couple. So, you know, I'm just happy. And I don't know if I can say their name on the radio, but, yeah, I'm just proud to be, you know, employed and doing something that I enjoy doing for a company that appreciates me for who I am. That's one thing a lot of people don't um, realize is even though Georgia does not recognize it, a lot of companies do. Uh, My company does... um, as well as Kazan's, and a lot of companies in the Atlanta area do. So uh, just because Atlanta, I mean, Georgia doesn't recognize it, does not mean you cannot get certain benefits from being married. Exactly. I even think that the city of Atlanta has passed an ordinance to protect uh, uh, gays from employment discrimination as well. So uh, some companies... Uh, might be, uh, you know, it, it it would be beneficial for them to comply with that. So, do you, uh, is there, it, besides Rio, uh, is would you move to a less tolerant place? No. No. For what? Why would you? Why would we? Some people might. Could be family. Could who knows? A job. Maybe your job wants to transfer you there. Well, I mean, I think, I think that before I even took another job or, you know, I would um, 
that would have to be something that I would have to think seriously about. Um, because again, I don't want to be in an environment that's less tolerant. Um, okay. Nor would I want to subject him to that. So you know, and you, but but we do live in the South, and you guys both stated earlier that how this is the Bible Belt. So how have you? Is the, is the South maybe a little bit more tolerant than than you initially stated? Because you guys are both out, right? Not exactly. Well, not to define out. Okay. I mean, I'll let like, you define it. How how are you? <laughs> well, if somebody asks me, I tell them, but I don't uh-huh. advertise. I don't advertise. It's not. It's not something. I mean, our 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 life or our private life is not something that should be, and that we we put on display. Now, mm-hmm. in my office, um, everybody knows my sexuality, and they know that I'm married, and mm-hmm. they are. From what I can see, you know, what I see on a day-to-day basis, um, you know, they accept it. You know, now what they say, you know, when I'm not around, I don't know. But um, mm-hmm. for the most part, yeah, my my, my office uh, peers are aware of uh, my my uh, my marriage to Jerome. And you, Jerome, are, are, are is your job aware? No, they are not aware. Well, my... My immediate office workers are not aware. In fact, they assume that I am straight. And um, if they were to ever ask me, I would tell them I'm not. But they've never asked me, and I I prefer not to divulge or advertise that information without them asking for it. So they can think what they want. And I I work in a pretty masculine um, environment, so I don't know how they would take it. So I just prefer not to even, you know, offer it up. I don't think they would care, but it's none of their business. We want to thank everyone for listening to Loudmouth Radio. And uh, tonight we have Universal Mind with Roderick Watkins going on. And tonight we have our special guest, uh Jay and Cass are speaking with us on air, and we want to go ahead and continue with our actual episode with Robert Watkins. Okay, guys. Uh, so, Jerome, I think where we left off is: are, are you uh, out at your job, or do you feel, do you wish do you care to discuss that? You said was I out at work? Yes. No. Okay, you missed that whole part. Okay. Um, no, I'm not out at work, and um, mainly because it's I, live, I work in a pretty masculine environment, and uh, the people I work close with, I really don't. They assume that I'm straight, uh, but if they were to ask me, I would tell them. But they've never asked, and I don't uh, feel necessary to offer their information to them. Mm-hmm. It just, I don't think, I don't think they would care, uh, but I just prefer not to even have it, a, have it even, you know, become a conversation. I keep, like to keep working at work. I like to keep working at work. Um, I don't socialize with them outside of work, so what's the point? Hmm. 
that, that you did say that your your job is uh, gay friendly though, right? They have they do have benefits for for same sex couples. Yes. But you still do you feel that they would enforce that if you were to come out at work? I mean, in regards to just uh, or are you worried about some type of harassment per se or anything no, like that no. if they were to find out? Not at all. Not at all. But I mean, it's, it's just the fact of, if, like, if they were, like I said, if they were ask me, I would tell them. No problem with mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. I'm just not gonna offer it. Right. You know, I just would prefer to keep that. If it comes up, it comes up. Yeah, and I've, I've heard, I've, I've heard that, and uh, I've heard that, and I've experienced that myself. I haven't been out at all my jobs as well, and uh, in some situations it just doesn't come up. I think it's a personal preference, and you're right. You know, when we're at work, our our focus is supposed to be at, at uh, on the job. But, I mean, so no pictures of, of you and Kaz on your on, on your desk? Actually, there are. I have a whole, my whole family up there. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah, we took a family portrait in 2011 that I have up there. Okay. So then it's more that they just have not inquired, not that you're going through any great list of not sharing. Correct. Okay. Gotcha. So that's great, guys. So uh, any, any uh, as far as your group is concerned, uh, what type of activities do, do you guys do in the group? Uh, we have various what we call cocktails and conversations where we all come together and talk about various topics going on in the world or even locally uh, that could and how it relates to uh, gay lifestyle um, and specifically couples. Um, for example, we have uh, a mixer coming up uh, at the beginning of May, and uh, we've got some discussion topics uh, that are have, that vary from DOMA to uh, how to handle infidelity in relationships to business, business uh, topics yeah. and cash flow and so forth. Energy money. Yeah. Um, That's and then we also have a cruise coming up in February uh, 2014 uh, where we're going to uh, Cozumel and uh, Grand Cayman, Key West, something like that. And um, that, we're looking forward to that. So every month we try to do things um, as a as a group. And then throughout the month there are small things that happen that we uh, try to do, like movies and bowling and uh, the parks, picnics and whatnot. So it's something for everybody to do. Yeah, let me piggyback off that. And one thing that we, we are encouraging within the group, uh, because, again, in the Atlanta area, they're so, you know, to our surprise, there are a number of other couples. And one thing that we kind of encourage um, and inspire people to do is, you know, get to meet the other couples. You know, get to know them because you never know what you have in common with, you know, uh, some of the other couples. So um, that's one of the things that, you know, we uh, is, uh, encourage uh, as well. Uh, ongoing events. What about, what about your single friends? <laughs> like myself. You know, we're still working. We're, we're still working with um, uh, a group of. There's another uh, Facebook group 
they okay. are a, a group of people uh, who are seriously seeking uh, to be in a relationship, and uh-huh. and the couples group and the singles group are try, going to try and come together and do some kind of um, mixer to where you know the the couples can bring their single friends and the single friends get together uh-huh. and just get and meet each other. And you know, kind of vibe on each other and and uh, get some networking going. Maybe some speed dating or something. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that, that actually sounds uh, interesting and kind of fun and kind of fun. You guys have to keep me posted on that for sure. Definitely. But the single group has to have their first function here in Atlanta first, and we're waiting for that to happen. Which I actually saw something today. And I think they're planning on doing something pretty soon this summer. So mm-hmm. uh, we are looking forward to that. That's great, guys. Well, I really appreciate you guys uh, for coming on the show tonight and, and talking about your relationship uh, with me and, and, and the audience. It, it has definitely been a pleasure. And uh, you, de- you guys are definitely a model of what uh, – I think we should strive for, uh, for those of us who are looking. I mean, not everybody is looking, but you, you guys have definitely been a model to me in regards to what, what to look for in a relationship or, you know, or actually how a relationship works. So I just, I really appreciate uh, you two, and I'm I'm glad I've had the opportunity to get to know you both uh, since well, we met. Well, we'd like to say thank you, and um, for you, uh, provided this platform for us to speak on, um, just you know, to share because, you know, like I said, stated earlier, um, when it comes to a relationship, I, I don't, I don't think it's you know, you know, it's again being in search of and you know finding the right person. It's all about you being the right person. You know, get get yourself together in order to, you know, be able to share with someone else. You know. Um, now, come on, Kaz. Now, there are there are those people, and I'm not downing people in relationships in general, but there are those people that aren't necessarily the best of people and still have people that still are in relationships. Correct? Oh, oh, most, most definitely. And I'm not saying that. Um, that no, I'm not. I'm not saying that. Um, again, <laughs> it's just feel about you being that person. You know, you being the right person, meaning that. I, I'm not gonna say that I went out looking for someone that was like me. Like I said, um, Jerome is—he's um, <laughs> all that I could have ever wish for, you know. Mm. Um, and you know how you—you know—you look back at your life and you say, "Oh, you know, you know, if you could have done anything different, would you have?" Um, yeah, but at the same time, I, if I—if if I changed anything, I don't think that I'd be where I am now. Right. So, so with that, you know, I think things do happen for a reason, and I'm not telling people to just accept whatever. No, I'm not saying that. You know, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, you still have to be open. You know, and you have it does take time. I don't, I don't think it's going to happen overnight. First, you know, like the, the way that we met. I'm not saying that. You know, mm-hmm. um, but again, I, I think the possibilities are there. You know, just. You know, just make the right decisions, um, and again, be open and 
be able to effectively communicate with one another because I think that truly that's one of the main uh, contributors to having a successful relationship because, I mean, early on, I think we had some conflicts uh, with communications. However, you know, we, we got past it, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that was because of the, the love that we had for one another. So uh, communication and, and a desire to really want to be with each other, right? Exactly, definitely, most definitely. <laughs> I mean, because you can have the communication, but if you don't have that desire, then, yeah, of course, it's going to go south. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, guys, thank you. Uh, and right now we're going uh, our next guest, for the evening, and you're welcome to stay on the line uh, if you guys want to, or you can uh, and and participate, or you know at least please continue to listen. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna um, put you. On, I'm gonna put you on mute. Okay. <laughs> All right. So our next guest is Dr. Marty M. Brown, and uh, he is the founder of Imagine Enterprises Inc. Uh, Imagine is dedicated to uh, the empowerment of people physically, mentally, and emotionally. Dr. Mahdi earned his medical degree in naturopathic medicine from the Southwest College of Naturopathic Medicine. He has dedicated the past 15 years to the empowerment of others. He specializes in educating and empowering people. He emphasizes taking ownership over one's physical, emotional, and mental well-being. He is an assistant professor at the Arizona State University where he teaches stress management tools in the areas of health, relationship, and finances. He inspires his students on a daily basis. He has personally taught his conscious living principles and holistic nutrition to over 1,000 people in the past two years. Dr. Mahdi is a leader in the field of holistic nutrition giving hundreds of lectures and speaking engagements over the past eight years. He is also a certified life coach with over 10 years of coaching experience. Dr. Mahdi is very passionate about public speaking, educating, lecturing, private consulting, and developing educational tools. Dr. Mahdi believes that each individual is is a unique expression of life. Therefore, he dedicates his effort to helping individuals express their uniqueness. And that's going to be the second half of our show of of tonight on the Universal Mind with Roderick Watkins. Uh, remember, you can reach out to us on Facebook at Loudmouth Online, or you can reach out to us at Twitter at Loudmouth, and that's Loud L O U D D Mouth M O U T H on Twitter. Please feel free to call in, and you can call us at our number. 347-826-7520. And, uh, and so now our next guest we'll be talking about, we'll continue this discussion on relationships and spiritual development. And one of the things we'll be talking about is, as stated earlier, is communication and how we communicate with each other and uh, uh and how our relationships are actually just reflections of our own spiritual development and growth. As I was saying earlier at the beginning of the show, people are generally uh, 
people are uh, no man is an island unto himself, and people use uh, other people or our relationships. They help us see aspects of ourselves that uh, that uh, may need to be nurtured or grow or, or grow into. So with that, uh, no further uh, with no further ado, I want to invite uh, Dr. Mod everybody to listen to Dr. Madi as we continue this discussion. Dr. Madi, are you there? Uh, yes, sir, I am. Can you hear me? Yes, yes, I can. Good Thanks wonderful. for joining us tonight on the Universal Mind. You're very, very welcome. It's an honor to be on the program. Uh, so I was reading uh, one of your uh, speeches or one of your lectures, and it was called Nutrition of a Heart. Yes. And uh, I thought that was uh, – I, I like the uh, the double entendre there. So you're not just talking about actual food nutrition either, huh? Oh, absolutely not. Uh, it's really interesting. <clears throat> One of the things that most people think of when they think of nutrition, they think about the physical food that we put into our body. And one of the things that myself and, you know, one of my uh, very uh, good friends and colleagues, uh, Dr. Hanalei Iolei, what we would share in our holistic nutrition classes and even in the stress management courses that he and I have both taught is that we nourish ourselves both physically, mentally, and emotionally. And I know you've heard the old adages, you know, uh, you know, feed your mind good thoughts. And, you know, to really uh, nourish yourself with love and compassion. These things are very, very important to us as human beings. And so when we, are looking at nourishing ourselves, one of the key areas where you can receive the most nourishment is in the relationships that you've created in your life. Right. And the, the most important relationship that can nourish you the most is your relationship with yourself. And so this is some of the key principles, you know, that we really begin to uh, look at, you know, when it comes to nutrition for the body, you know, because if you're in a relationship that is toxic, it will impact your health. It will impact, you know, your everyday uh, physiological and biochemical well-being, if you will. And so many people are dealing with, you know, extraordinary uh, circumstances and relationships on a day-in-and-day-out basis. And what I, I always uh, look to do with working with clients, you know, students, whoever, you know, I'm uh, helping and being of service to is, First and foremost, we have to look at how you nourishing, you're, you're nourishing yourself, what kind of nutrition you're providing to yourself, both mentally, physically, and emotionally. So now let me ask you, because, I mean, there, there are several different relationships, right? There's romantic relationships. There's friendships. Are, are all these nourishing us, or do we get special nourishment from a particular type of relationship? Well, all, all your relationships are nourishing to you, you know, for the mere fact. You can look at uh, an example of someone who is in a family environment where the relationships are at uh, odds with one another. They're in conflict. There's issues in the house. You're fighting and battling in your own household. That has a profound impact on you physically. And, right. of, of course, the most intimate relationship you could ever have outside of yourself is with that romantic partner. And that's where you are most vulnerable, and that's where you have the opportunity for the greatest growth and transformation. But all your relationships are important. Say again? In what what way? You said we have the greatest growth and and transformation in in, in what way or how is that? Well, let's let's just take a look at what an intimate relationship means. Okay. So 
it's a very fascinating, I, I always find this, it's just a very fascinating phenomenon to me that as individuals, we could look at someone outside of our family environment, out of the, the dynamics of our family, and look to someone out of the seven plus billion people on this planet. You choose and you say, this person here, I'm now going to share the most intimate aspects of who I am with, both physically, mentally, and emotionally. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to open myself up to you and allow you to see the essence of who I am. And that person is choosing to do the same. I just find that quite profound, a very just amazing, amazing, almost, you know, miraculous in some sense of the word of an event. Because right. this is somebody who you truly do not know. Mm-hmm. And then you become acquainted with them. There is some familiarity. And you become to this connection, this, this sense of just knowingness, and you allow this individual to now enter into the most sacred, intimate aspects of who you are. And they got the goods on you. They know the worst of you. They experience your ups, your downs, and they experience you in a physically intimate way. Through the exchange of you know, sexual energy, you're, you're sharing the essence of who you are with this person. And it's a very fascinating, fascinating, just phenomenal thing to me, and it always has been, that we as human beings can come together. In essence, much of life does this for the most part, finding that partner, if you will, to basically bring about uh, sustainability and growth for that individual. And as human beings, we really look to this relationship as the cornerstone of our lives. We are preparing for this throughout our life. You know, as we're growing up through our youth and adolescence, you know, this is what we begin to emerge into as we become older and we're looking to find that person who we can relate to, who really can reflect the essence of who we are back to us. And so, so it's in there, that type of relationship. Go ahead. Uh, is there somebody for everybody? Honestly, I would say yes and no. Okay. okay. And let me, let me expound on that. Yes in the fact that We all come into life, and we are just by human, within our human nature, in our human conditioning, we look to belong. And I discussed this in in a sense to where we, as human beings, we have this sense and this desire to belong, to, you know, be able to love and to experience love for one another. So in that respect, absolutely, yes. You know, as you said earlier, uh, no man is an island unto himself. No human being is an island unto him or herself. You know, we're here to connect, to bond, to share, to cohabitate this planet, you know, in unity with one another. And I say no to that in the fact that you have individuals who come into life who have such a fulfilled life within themselves, and they do not require that intimate partnership in this journey. And they're here to share, and they still connect with other human beings, but to share that intimate partnership and, and that union with another human being that they walk through life together is not a requirement for them. Oh, that's interesting. So they're they're already fulfilled with themselves so they don't need another person. So are people are 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 you implying that people that are in relationships are fulfilled in some ways? Or are, are there 
Repeat the question, please. I'm trying to understand what you're saying. So, so it's interesting. You said there are those that don't require to be in a relationship because they're already self-fulfilled? Yes. And so the thing is, ideally, I'll, I'll, I'll say this to you first. Ideally, in any relationship, uh, the gentleman who was speaking before, uh, he said it so well when he was speaking about, first and foremost, working on yourself and, you know, and seeking that, you know, relationship with yourself before you go out there looking for someone else. And I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And ideally, in any relationship, uh, you hear people say, oh, this person completed me or this person uh, makes me whole. And I, I think that's a really uh, unfortunate statement to make on any, anyone's behalf for the mere fact. If you're coming into a relationship only half of yourself and another person's coming into a relationship with truly only half of themselves, you're going to basically, in essence, just have two half beings. And you're going to be looking in that partner to fill whatever void or what you feel is lacking inside of you, and that will show up in the relationship. Ideally, when two people come to a relationship, ideally they should come to a relationship as whole beings, mm-hmm. where they're both fulfilled in whom they are as individuals, and they're now looking to share that fulfillment with another person. And now in relationship to that one individual who doesn't choose to do that, Again, he or she has found fulfillment in themselves, and they choose not or they, re- they don't require, you know, to share, and they choose not to share. And they go through their life uh, okay. as, 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 you know, as singles, but, of course, they have wonderful people in their lives who they're able to still share that fulfillment with, but just not in that intimate partnership setting that we're speaking of. Does that make sense? Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. So there is there there is a choice. Meaning, you can be a whole realized person and just choose to be single. Absolutely, yes. But how do you, now? How do you work on becoming this uh, fulfilled or becoming this whole person? Is there any, are there is there any criteria that we have to meet, or well, how do you think about that? Are there well, any particular? Absolutely. Well, the key the key thing to it. First and foremost, you know, one of the key things, uh, funny as you asked that question, I, I just, I'm just now leaving and getting off of uh, ASU's campus from teaching uh, my stress management course. And one of the things we're talking about in there this week, you know, last week of, uh, full last week of school, is your purpose and vision. And one of the key things that I've been sharing with them in class today is that as we come into life, you know, we're not given a manuscript you know, that's attached to our hips and saying this is how, this is what it means to be a human being. This is how, it, it, uh, this is what you need to do in order to be successful. We come into life and we are taking in basically what we receive from our parents, what we receive from our siblings if we have any, what we receive from other family members, uh, what we gain from our peers in society as far as our friends, what we gain from the education. And we take all that stuff in and we're, trying to figure out and put together, you know, who we're going to be in this life. And so there's three key areas that really drive us as human beings. And those key areas are our health, our relationships, and our finances. And so we we go through life looking on how to have the optimized health and, and vitality and energy and, you know, sustainability in, in our health so that we can live out our dreams and our passions to the fullest. We seek 
to have an exchange in our relationships uh, from a place of love, be able to share the fullness of what we've experienced in our life within, with others around us. And we look to have the financial uh, means to carry out any endeavor and any dreams that we have. Now, when it comes to creating a wholeness within yourself, you have seven inherent needs that I personally feel are required for one to truly be fulfilled in life. And when I share with my students today, uh, we're looking at purpose. And what I've shared with them over the course of this past semester is that if these needs go unmet, you will go throughout your life carrying out uh, basic um, actions and carrying out basic uh, choices to get those needs met. And these seven needs, when they're fully met and you're actually meeting these needs within yourself, then you're now in a place of fully becoming this whole individual. And most people, when they go through their life, they're really seeking to get these needs met. And in most situations, uh, there's always like one or two that we really come into life with that we felt as a child we didn't get perhaps from our parents or our environment. And so that becomes like in essence our primary need and we start uh, just really living our lives from there. And so if you want, I'll go through those really quickly to kind of give you an example of what I'm talking about to help you frame this understanding of what it means to be whole. Yeah, that would be great. And I, I, okay. just, I have the actual list uh, that you sent me, and it says uh, seven human needs of fulfillment are change, belong, or belonging, mattering, mm-hmm. means having meaning, loved and be loved, expressed to be heard, growth, and and share. I thought those were very interesting. So uh, you say that we uh, in our youth, uh, some of these were not fulfilled, and so we go through life seeking fulfillment in these particular areas of our life. Absolutely, and a lot of times we show up in our relationships. We're seeking, you know, these particular uh, aspects of ourselves that we're trying to fill. That we feel that void is there, and we we seek out to try to fill that through our relationships with others. And so, for example. Uh, when, when someone is looking at uh, change, you know, the need for change, and what that really means is as human beings, you know, we all here, we have an inherent desire within us to be able to create, you know, explore the variety and possibilities of life. And, and one of the constants in life and that a lot of folks don't realize, for whatever reasons, which I find very fascinating as well, is that everything and all things do change. And you need that variety in your life to really keep you stimulated, to keep you invested, to keep you focused on the events of life. And so we're always seeking that change in that variety, changing within ourselves, change within our environment. If we were to look at ourselves as what we have on today, what you're wearing tonight, you know, as we're talking, and basically if you were only told that you can only wear what you have on for the rest of your life, you can't change your hair, you can't change your clothes, you can't change your undergarments, nothing, and you have to wear this same thing every single day for the rest of your life, you would, it would drive you mad. Yeah, I think change is a big one. I mean, you know, change is huge. In, our, in our society, you have people, you know, they, they don't want to get any older. They, you know, or they don't want to, they don't want to move. They always want to stay in the same place. I, I it just, it, it's so many ways that we try to uh, stay or, or keep things safe, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and so this, 
this can become toxic, you're saying? Oh, absolutely. I'm like, because what, what happens in normal relationships? What, people get bored. Right. They get bored with the relationship. They get bored with the person because there's no, the, the stimulation's not there, the motivation's not there, the variety's not there. And what happens, you know, um, when the passion is gone, you know, uh, truthfully, you know, when you find a relationship where the passion is lost, you know, we look at those kind of situations and really say, the passion is truly not there. They just really have lost the ability to explore the possibility. Right. And, and, or they're choosing no longer to explore their possibilities with this individual. And so now they're looking to seek change elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when, when that happens, you're now going to be looking to someone else. You know, because if, if like, say, for example, if change was your number one need, you just needed that variety, you need to explore possibilities, you needed to have the ability to create new conditions for yourself, and that's, like, your number one thing you're going after all the time, uh, uh-huh. you, will, you will run through many partners. Hmm. Because no one will be good enough. You would never find fulfillment in that person because you're constantly, that's the driving pivotal value for you, the pivotal need that you're required to get fulfilled. So you will go through multiple folks. Okay, you, 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 you got to slow down for, uh, on that one for you. I think you just <laughs> hit, hit, hit a nerve or something. So let's go back. So you're saying that you, if, if change is your, is, your, is your primary need? It's like then, number one for you, yes. Yeah, that if that need isn't met, then you'll if you're most likely you won't settle down. That you'll go through multiple partners. Yeah, you you you'll be looking outside yourself to get that need that need met, and your partner will try to provide that for you. But eventually, you're going to get bored with him or her, and you're like, okay, I need I need to look at something else. Okay, and, and so, okay I'm listening. And so and so the, the question then is back to ask, okay, uh, what is it in your life? that you are now needing to look outside yourself to bring about that passion, that possibility, and be able to create for yourself. Because as human beings, we have the ability to create in any environment, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the resources we have available to us. You can create anything. Mm-hmm. You have the ability within the mind, and you know the, the, the actual title of this show is The Universal Mind. You have a universal mind that has the ability to create any and all things. And so if you're in a relationship and you find yourself getting bored, I'm going to ask you, how, how bored are you in your own personal life? Uh, and most times these folks are going to be bored in their own lives as well. And all this right. person is reflecting back to them in that relationship is their own inability to create, to have, live out a passionate life, to have that fulfillment, through change and through creating new possibilities and variety for themselves, and so now it's being reflected in the relationship. And that's nothing did, to really I do did, with the partner, but that person. Uh-huh. I did not expect to go to therapy today, Dr. Marty. That That is good. I really <laughs> like that a lot. <laughs> so, so uh, and I, I don't want to generalize, but uh, we're saying that um, – we're saying no, they do find themselves bored with other people. Uh, uh, let me see if I can mistake this. Those who do find themselves bored with other people need to reflect back and see if they find themselves bored with uh, with themselves in, in their own life. Within your own life, absolutely, yes. And that, and that, in order to change that, 
how, how do you go about changing that? I mean, if you find yourself boring, you, you, how do you how do you go about finding that passion or that enthusiasm? Or I mean, that, I think that's a that's definitely an aha moment uh, in regards to waking up and realizing that you're bored with yourself. So how do you get unbored with yourself? Okay, so we all know how to do this. You have to look back to how you were as a child. As a child, mm. how did you look at life? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How did you look at life? Always, I, yeah, as a child, I was always outside exploring. Exactly. You were exploring. You were excited. You were enthusiastic. You were motivated. You had passion. You were just thrilled with the idea of being alive and exploring this amazing place that you called your world. Mm-hmm. And you sought to discover who you were through the experiences of your life, and everything was new to you. Yeah, yeah. So you have to come to your life in that regard, understanding that every new day is the first day of the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And uh, how you choose to enter into that day determines what that day will be for you. And so if you're looking to experience something new, if you're looking to examine, you know, new possibilities, the day is full of them for you. And I, I was telling uh, one of my mentors in uh, medical school, we were discussing the human body. Uh-huh. And, you know, and she, sat, you know, she was talking with us, and, and she, you know, was saying that the human body is so amazing. Our bodies are so amazing. She said, there's no reason why you should ever find yourself bored. You could just sit in a room and study your hand for a day yeah. and be amazed and in wonder. Right. But we are so focused on the distractions of, of life and we're so easily taken off, taken out of focus and so easily distracted that we right. are not present. And when you're present, you're able to see the wonders and the magic and majesty, if you will, of a life and the possibilities that are there for you. And uh, so I, you're not going to be bored. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I'm, uh, uh, it's funny, some of my friends when I was in college, they used to always uh, joke because I would, I, I've had this mindset for some time, and I would tell them, you know, you could sit and, uh, you can sit and stare at a tree and, and, and find out the secrets of the universe. Because Absolutely. the thing out that is telling that tree how high to grow or which way which way to grow. That same yeah. knowledge is within you, and it, it's communicating to your body and telling your body these things. And if you're silent enough, you you and you allow if if you get out of the way of it, it can actually lead you and, and, and uh, lead your life, lead yeah. your life, and, and and you'll be in in harmony with with universal law. We, uh, like you say, we're so focused on what is and and not focused on the present or what could be that we miss the beauty of what is in the now and what mm-hmm. we already have. And, and, and Roderick, you know, you hit it right on the head, and the key thing is as a child, you're always looking at what can be. You're always looking right. at the possibility. Right. You're just, you're just, you're just uh, a fountain running over with possibilities and imagination. Okay. And, and you know, when we find an individual who has become bored with his or her life, I said you found an individual who is now 
lacking or no longer exercising their imagination. Right. Uh, wow, that's brilliant. I just want to remind our listeners that they're listening to The Universal Mind with Roderick Watkins, and my guest today is Dr. Mahdi, and we're talking about relationships and spiritual growth. Uh, please join us. You can call in if you have any questions. We're on Facebook at Loudmouth Online, or you can tweet us at Loudmouth. That's L-O-U-D-D, mouth. Or you can call us, and that number to call into is 347-826-752. So you were saying that, so, and that was just the first need. We have we have seven other, we have six more needs. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> right. So you, you want to briefly go through those real quick? or, or yeah, uh, yeah, sure, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So, Okay, we discussed change, and, you know, next, you know, and they're, and they're not in any particular hierarchical order. You know, these are arranged how you set them in your life based on what you experience in your life and what you feel is lacking in your life that shows up a lot of times in a very unhealthy way at that top primary need, and you start making your choices off of that need first and foremost, and everything else kind of falls in order after that. So the next one I'm going to discuss with you is the sense of belonging. And, you know, they're really required as human beings, you know, in order to truly fulfill, to truly have a sense of fulfillment, we have to belong. We have to be able to connect, be a part of something that's greater than ourselves, you know, and feel that we are associated with this connection, with this other and or others that makes us have a, a sense of purpose and it gives us a sense of safety, security, and you're able to now move through life in a much more fulfilled and confident way. And so if you're going through life and you're experiencing a life where you feel you don't belong, you're right. like, you know, uh, the black sheep of the family, if you will, or, you know, you're the one who never fit in, you know, the, the, the weird kid who never fit into high school or, you know, other friends growing up. That has a profound impact on you, and you go through life acting out and speaking out in ways that you can belong. And I've had, Roderick, I've had the opportunity and privilege to uh, work with, you know, wonderful people who have had the courage to go through recovery and, you know, and deal with addictions that they've, suffered with and they face throughout their life. And one of the key areas that has always been an issue that really drove them to whatever drug of choice mm-hmm. was they didn't they felt they didn't belong anymore. Mm. And 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 that was that was like number two on the list. And number one on the list was that they did not matter and they didn't mm. have any meaning. That was number right. one. And the folks who really felt that they didn't matter anymore, didn't have any meaning, and they also didn't belong anywhere, these are the folks right. who were more likely to look at the option of suicide as an option. Uh. And, you know, I just, uh, you know, have been working with some some clients who were in that state, who were dealing with that, and, you know, going through that whole issue of not feeling that they didn't matter. Right, feeling that they don't have any meaning, and so the choices they're making in their life 
or choices that are not serving, choices that are very harmful to whom they are and also harmful to others because they don't matter. And, and these people who are really feeling that they don't matter and they're trying to matter, when it shows up in relationships, they're always trying to be significant. They're trying to really stand out and be important. And so in that kind of dynamic, if they have where they don't matter and they're trying to matter and, and they want to have some meaning, they want to be significant, and that's their top primary uh, need of fulfillment, their purpose and their focus is on one person. And guess who that person is? Themselves? Themselves. And so how can they be successful in relationships if the focus is on them all the time? Right. And this is one of the things that I bring up in my classes when we discuss relationships. If if you're someone who has always been trying to prove to your parents that you matter, prove to your parents that you have meaning, prove to others that you're significant, and you go through your life pursuing all these major goals, you go through your life trying to be – that straight-A student, you know, for that sense, to get that need met, met so you can be standing out in the public eye and getting appraised so you feel a sense that, yeah, you truly matter, that you do have meaning in this world. When it shows up in your relationship, your focus is primarily on you, uh, your partner, your loved ones, be it in your family or this intimate relationship, will start to suffer because it's going to be about you all the time. Right, they can't get any nourishment. They can't get they, any they, nourishment they from you. Nourishment no. Yeah. Yeah, because you you are constantly like I gotta I gotta be about me, and a lot oh. of times for many folks it's unconscious to them because it's something that was instilled in them at a very young age, and they now have a story and belief system around that, and so they carry out the experiences of their life from that place. Right. And now. It's now being reflect. It's now being reflected in the relationships. So, so, so what? Is, is being too ambitious? Then is that? Is, could that be a, a, a sign of you know? Because it, it almost sounds, uh, you know, like if you if you're, I, I get it, in, in in meaning that you're always trying to prove or always trying to go after or always trying to prove. That you are significant, uh, you therefore you're you're neglecting the fact of of looking at other people around you or or, or, or people that are important to you because you're always focused on uh, having the spotlight. Is that? Yeah. Well, I'll say this to that: um, okay. a person who has this as their primary focus, a pivotal value and need, will okay. you know definitely pursue things, you know, pursue careers and things of that nature, and, you know, and we'll come off and we'll be perceived as someone who's ambitious, okay? The, the, under, the undercurrent to that that's not really recognized is that they don't feel that about themselves, and so these are the actions that they carry out to that, and is that the neglect and, you know, uh, detriment of those around them. And, and they, these are folks who are really not you know, too concerned with the well-being or the interests of other people. Gotcha. Someone who has this need met within themselves already feel a sense of mattering to others, mm-hmm. having meaning in the world, and more importantly, they matter to themselves, and they determine their meaning in their life will share in their successes 
will not feel threatened with someone else taking, you know, the limelight, not feel threatened with others achieving as well, because it's inherent within us and within all life to seek greater and further expression of itself. And so there's nothing wrong with a human being seeking to become more. It's actually a part of why you're here. You're here to grow. We're going to talk about that one in a little bit. And if you're not growing, you're going unfulfilled. But these individuals are out solely for their own personal growth because they feel they don't matter. They feel they don't have meaning. Whatever beliefs they've conjured up around that, whatever stories they've created, now they're carrying that out in their life so they feel significant and they feel appreciated. Now, are, they consciously, so, are, are we consciously aware of this? A, a lot of times, uh, more, more times than not, uh, Roderick, they're not conscious of it. Okay. More, more, more times than not, Roderick, most, most folks are not conscious of it. And, you know, and it's really fascinating, uh, you know, because we go through our life looking, uh, you know, looking at ourselves and really, you know, seeking to, you know, fit in, seeking to belong, seeking, seeking to matter. And if you don't have that within yourself first and foremost, if you don't know within yourself that you matter, if you don't know within yourself that you already belong, then you will automatically reflect that in your relationships. And most of us, because we're so preoccupied with self, and, you know, you've heard the saying that, uh, you can't see the forest for the tree. Yeah. It's like, in essence, when you're in that forest as a tree, you can't see the entire forest. You just see where you are. You see the immediate circumstances of yourself. You're in the picture frame. You don't see the picture. Right. And so you now are not even conscious of what you're doing. But what happens is it reflects in your relationships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you see this antagonistic, you know, dynamic that's unfolding. And and this is the thing, uh, you know, I've encountered folks, you know, who have, you know, this sense that they want to matter and have meaning, and that's like their top priority and their, their top uh, need in their world that they're fulfilling. And these individuals, if that's what you choose, you know, these individuals have made a conscious choice that they're not going to be in a real monogamous committed relationship. Mm. And they're just going to be out there experiencing life, enjoying the fruits of life, going out there accomplishing, being successful, and they are living that out. Nothing wrong with that. That's what you choose to do in your life. But you understand in that choice, you know, you're not affording yourself the experience of a relationship where you're fully committed to another person. And you're going to be more inclined, you know, you're just going to date, you know, and you have your people come in your life, but they are not the top priority in your world. And the fascinating thing, and this is the very the point I really want to bring home to you and home to the audience, is that we all go through these cycles. There's points in your life where you do have that matter, to matter and have meaning as the number one in your life because you're becoming, you're, you're speaking, you're wanting to grow, you're wanting to push yourself, and you make you the top priority. You need to matter. You need to feel that you've made a difference. You need to feel that you have meaning. Right. So you put yourself in position for that. And we all go through these stages in our life as we go through the process of fulfilling these uh, needs within ourselves. And so these things are all inherent within us. And so it's just about how we have them arranged in our life and what, what role they play in the affairs of our life, in particular around our relationships 
so that, you know, uh, we're, we're very aware and conscious of where we are and our partners are as well. Now, I want to, so what happens when, uh, in regards to, like me, I am single, and uh, I, I think I desire to, well, I know I desire to be in a relationship. How do you, how do you find uh, someone on that same level in regards to, uh, or, 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 or it will help you reflect? Just just find uh, somebody on that same conscious level. You 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 see okay. this is absurd to me because I'm choked up. I can't even say what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> understood, understood. Yes, sir. Okay, so uh, first thing I would ask you is, you know, you need to en- en- envision in your own mind uh-huh. how this person is, how they show up. Uh, you know, what are they like? Um, you know, what are they doing in their life? You know, uh, how do you feel when you're around them, okay? And, and you know, and I had a really wonderful, uh, very dear friend of mine, you know, we had a conversation around this about how we bring people into our world. And one thing that she said to me is that when you are putting yourself out there in the world, you know, and you're, 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 you're providing that space for someone to enter into, what she really did for her own life and what she encourages clients that she works with to do with their lives is to first and foremost imagine the ideal partner, mm. how he or she mm-hmm. shows up, what are they like consciously, what are they like spiritually, emotionally, you know, what are they doing, you know, are they financially stable, you know, all these kind of things that, you know, you're looking for and what you consider your ideal, Okay. Once you have that mental image and, you know, you write that down, you put it down on paper, you take that thought which is within the, the mind, within the imagination, and you make it tangible in physical form by writing it out on paper. Uh-huh. Then you ask yourself a very powerful question. Who do you have to become in order to attract that individual? Mm. And when she told me that, I, was, I, was just, I had to sit down and hold my head. So, uh, so I just want to make sure my listeners, did y'all hear that? You you, you have to write down what, what your dream is, and mm-hmm. then you have to ask yourself, how do you need to be in order to draw that person in? Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. And when I sat there, I was like, I was, it was such a profound conversation that she and I were having around this. And I was like, wow, you're absolutely right. And she's like, you know, you know my dear, you're, you're, you're drawing to you the conscious energy that you hold in this moment and what you see of yourself and what you imagine of yourself. And I said, absolutely. And, you know, and, and I, I never heard it framed in that way in how she put it. And it was so eloquently done. And so I really, you know, had to look at that first and foremost for myself. And you have to get really honest with yourself then. Because most folks like, oh, you know, you hear, you hear it all the time, folks saying, oh, I want, you know, a person like this, and they got to be this way, and, you know, they're going to do this and this, and, and I don't want somebody who doesn't have a job and all these kind of things. And, okay, you're asking for someone who doesn't have a job, but you don't have one. Mm. You know, or you're asking for someone who uh, holds a spiritual consciousness, but you're not at that level. Uh. And so, and so and you're complaining that the people who are coming to you and that you're drawing to you are not what you want and not what you desire, 
and you're wondering why you keep attracting, you know, folks like this. I was uh, consulting with one of my students, and she was like, you know, you know, Professor Brown will always uh, attract these guys who are just, you know, they, they just disrespect me. They, they just, you know, talk bad to me, and, you know, and I don't know what it is. I'm just drawing the same kind of people to me. And she's like, you know, so what, what can I do? She said, because I want someone who respects me. I want someone who, you know, can appreciate who I am as a woman and see my beauty and honor me as such. I said, okay, that's great. I said, I have one question for you. When's the last time you did that for yourself? I said, what kind of, I said, how respectful are you to you? But now let me ask I'm, you this question, Dr. Yeah. Marty. Let me ask you this yeah. question. I mean, there are a lot of people in relationships, and everybody, I just, I'm not, I, you know, not downing those people that are, but everybody's just not that self-realized, and they're still involved in relationships. Yes, and again, and you know, this is one of the things we discussed in my stress management class, being mindful. Most of us uh-huh. are mindless. We run around life very mindless, in a mindless fashion. We're not aware, we're not present. We're worried about our future, uh, regretting and, and, and hating our past, and you're not present, you're not mindful, and it's in the present that the gifts are to be found. And when you take a moment to be still and just look at your life and look at your circumstances and say, okay, how I'm showing up in my life right now is not serving me. You know, one of the powerful things that uh, I was having a conversation with my father this almost, yeah, almost 10 years ago. I was in Los Angeles, and I was not happy. I was, you know, there in L.A., and I was uh, studying Chinese medicine, and I thought it was going to be great, but I wasn't happy with it. And we were talking on the phone one day, and, you know, he said, so I was going to ask you a question. He said, have the choices in your life thus far, have they served you? He said, don't worry about them serving me or mom or your, your, your sibling or your friends. He said, have they served you? And I said, honestly, Dad, no, they haven't. He said, well, son's about time you start making some choices that do. And I had to sit with that. And it was, it was, it was like getting a pile of bricks smack, smacking me over the head. And I was like, wow. Okay, I've been making choices in my life. It's really going about my day in and day out in a mindless, unconscious fashion. And so what is it that I truly desire to experience? What is it that I really want to have in this life? And so I had to get still and figure that out and start making choices that serve me. And so most of the time when you step into relationships, we go into it very unconsciously and we look at this individual who we like how they look. We like, you know, their their personality, you know, and they, they look all good and all this wonderful stuff. Right. And we, we go into it and we haven't checked in with ourselves we have to assess, okay, what are my moral values? What are my, uh, you know, ethics by which I live? What's my spiritual state and stance on life? Uh, what are my day-to-day habits? How do I go about the affairs of my business on a daily basis? And then do a compare and contrast with this individual who you're about to now bring into the most intimate aspect of your world and allow them to share and take up, take up space there. And a lot of times, folks enter into relationships that truly are not serving them, truly not worthy of them, and they carry out this unfoldment of just despair, drama, trauma, and eventually sometimes baby mama, you know, as well. Like all this stuff is happening. 
in their life. And this is all based on those unfulfillment of those seven human needs. First of all, I'm not being aware of what those needs are and it's going through their life unconsciously and not uh, being true in the choices they're making around their life to serve themselves, to serve those needs, so that they are fulfilled. So when you now enter into a relationship and you're looking to choose a relationship, you're now stepping into it conscious. You're conscious of who you are. You're conscious that, yes, I am fulfilled within. And really coming to a place that, in truth, I don't need anything in you right. to bring happiness to my to life. I'm here right. to share with you my happiness, my joys, my life. Okay, that's going to be my new line. <laughs> my new line. <laughs> I always get asked why I'm single, and I'm going to tell them now, you know. Well, Roger, yeah. this is the thing. This is the thing you have to understand as well. It's like, this is work. It's not, I'm not going to say yeah. stuff is easy. Trust me. I'm like, I, I, I work through my process on a daily basis as well. You know, don't, mm-hmm. don't, don't, don't get it wrong here thinking that, you know, I, I've, I've come to a place where I've, I'm now this guru and this master and I've achieved, you know, this excellence in the capacity of relationships. It's been a learning process for me, and I've had some wonderful blessings of experiences through wonderful gifts and in in people entering into my life and reflecting to me the areas that I was not fully actualized in yet, areas that I still needed to grow a little more, become a little more aware of, and begin to do that kind of work. And, and in doing so, I'm able to really, you know, experience those things. And so we talked about change. We talked about belonging. We talked about having matter and, and to have meaning in your world. You know, now... You know, folks, a big one that's huge is, you know, another one of the needs is to be loved and also to love. And right. for so many folks, as human beings, and I, and I really think it's all life, we're all here in life expressing love mm. and seeking to experience love. And mm. so a lot of times what happens in relationships is you see folks who are going through their journey with these individuals who they say they love and they feel that they love and they don't feel love returned. They feel alone in a relationship. And I can't tell you how many folks I've spoken to who feel alone in their relationship, in their family, in their friendship. They feel alone. They feel they're not loved. And when that need is going unmet, you will carry out all kinds of activities. You know, I can't tell you how many people I've had discussions with and conversations with who have a definition of how they've articulated uh, love to be in their life Mm. and have chosen relationships that are definitely detrimental to them, definitely not serving them, very harmful, physically, mentally, and emotionally, spiritually, just destroying them. And they stay in it because it's what they've qualified as love, based on what they experienced from many times in in, in utero, before they even came into the world, what they're experiencing in mom's womb. Wow. Based on what mom was calling into her world as far as love and what she was experiencing, that was being programmed into this child. And so when it came into the world, into its environment, it began to 
experience oh. this and identify with it and then classify this is what love means. Can you say that one more time? That is good one. <laughs> that, that's going to be a good one. Sure. So you say in utero they're experiencing this, and I, I just let's say that one more time, please. Absolutely. So based on what that developing child in that gestational period in utero, mom's consciousness, her emotional state, her physical state, how she is living out her life, how she's experiencing her life. And what she has designated as love in her life, whether she feels she's being loved or the lack thereof, all that is now being encoded on the DNA and imprinted upon the nervous system of this child. Mm. And so when that child enters into the world, into this environment, it will now begin to take in that which has already been encoded in it, Mm. this development, and then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And that's wow. how Wow. He or she now looks at love and qualifies it as, okay, if, if, if mom and dad were at odds with each other in the household, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If, if, if mom was being abused, right. the child looks at, okay, because we're all here, we're seeking love, we're here for love, we're here to love and be loved, and so if this is what love means, that I allow this person to abuse me, Okay, if it means that I have multiple partners running in my world to get love, okay. If it means that I allow my body to be used in any capacity, in any way, okay. Wow. And so, because it's innate within you as a human being to speak out love. It's one of those needs of fulfillment. You you need it, you crave it, you desire it. You know, we discuss in uh, medicine, you know, with children, you know, infants who come into the world, they're not physically touched. They're not getting that physical affection and touch. Uh, right. These children will die on you for what we call FTT, failure to thrive. Mm. You can feed it, you can change its diaper, but if you're not giving it the physical affection, stimulating its nervous system, where it's feeling and appreciating and connecting with love, they will weaken. Their immune system will begin to weaken. Their body will begin to weaken. They will no longer be able to thrive physically, and they can die. Mm. It's very important to us that we are able to, you know, express and, and experience love. And so based on how we've qualified it, based on how you interpret love, based on your language, you know, of love, all that has a profound influence upon how you experience that particular need. And if it's going unmet, your choices, your thought process, your perceptions, your realities will be dictated by that need. Wow, Dr. Monty. Uh We only have a, we only got about five minutes left. I just want to give our listeners a chance. Is there a way they can reach out to you or talk to you? Oh, absolutely, yes. Uh, you can easily reach me uh, via email, uh, Dr. D.R., my first name, Mahdi, M-A-H-D-I, at ASU.edu. And, you know, we're more than happy to connect with you there and, you know, start a dialogue. Okay. And uh, so what do you have? Do you have any uh, future seminars or do you have a book coming out? What do you have available? Well, well, actually, we we have a a seminar coming up uh, actually next month. Uh, here in Arizona, it's going to be uh, down in Safford, um, Arizona, 
at the Mineral Hot Springs there, and we're going to be discussing um, the Sweet Communion, how to transform your consciousness through food, expand your consciousness through food, and also the healing properties of water. So uh, looking forward to uh, that will be on uh, May 17th, 18th, and 19th of uh, next month here in Arizona down in Stafford. Uh, it's about three hours you know, away from uh, the Phoenix area at this wonderful, beautiful uh, mineral springs, hot mineral springs. So we're going to have folks out there, uh, you know, getting nourishing foods, um, very clean, nutrient-dense foods. Also, the hot mineral springs to soothe and nourish their bodies as they take in this wonderful information that we have for them. You know, in the course of that weekend. So we have that coming up. Uh, I'm also in the process of finishing up um, uh, a book that will be out this summer. It's called the uh, Four uh, Lasting, uh, the Four Secrets to Lasting um, Health and Longevity. And mm-hmm. what that book is talking about is the power of water in your life, the power of uh, proper sleep, proper movement, and proper nutrition. And when those four things are being utilized in the most successful, amazing way, you now have afforded to you lasting longevity. You have the health and vitality. You also have the ability to go out in life and pursue those things that you desire and you wish to experience because you have this amazing body, this clarity of thought and mind, and this awareness that is now afforded to you because you've taken care of your body, you've taken care of of uh, these four essential things that we all need that for many of us go uh, lacking in our lives and creating disease and disorder, you now put yourself in position for success and growth and just an amazing life. And so that will be coming out this summer. And, yeah, we're going to be definitely putting together other uh, seminars and workshops in the, in the coming months as well. All right. Well, again, thanks for uh, coming on, and I definitely have to have you again. We 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 barely even touched half. We, we, we barely even touched yeah, half. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, look forward to having you on again, and I just want to thank you for calling in, and uh, I appreciate you, brother. Talk with you real soon. Yeah, thank you, and I wanted to say to you, Roderick, uh, please appreciate you creating this 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 venue, this platform for us to have these kind of conversations and get this kind of message out there to the people. Uh, you're definitely a blessing here on the planet, and I just wish for you to continue doing the great work that you are. Thank you, sir. You have a good evening. You do the same. All right. Bye-bye. All right, and thank you for listening to The Universal Mind with Roderick Watkins. This concludes tonight's episode. This program is available for download or demand. On Blog Talk Radio, on, on BlogTalkRadio.com, Loudmouth Radio, anytime after 10 p.m. Eastern each Monday. Loudmouth Radio is one of the Internet's hottest online radio networks. Our talk radio shows cover topics that are geared towards empowerment, inspiration, and entertainment. Connect with us live, online, and on demand 24-7 on LoudmouthRadio.com and share with us your thoughts and what inspires you. Monday nights, 8 p.m., The Universal Mind with Roderick Watkins. Please tune in. Tuesday nights, we have The Bare Truth, Love, Life, Sex, and Flowers with Jazzy Jones. And on Thursday nights, we have Night Talk Live with J.L. King. Currently, we have some exciting rates available for 15- and 30-second spots, as well as premier sponsor rates for advertising with all three of our shows. Thank you again, and this is Universal Mind with Roderick Watkins. Have a good night. And remember, to be more, you must dream of being 
more. 